In this market, it's harder to grow. And when you do, there are more operational distractions slowing your momentum. By building and maintaining a global payments and billing system, or reconciling revenue data. Paddle and Profitwell are coming together to take the load off your finance and engineering teams. We make subscription billing, payments, tax, and growth products that do it for you. In turn, you focus on what really matters, your team, customers, and products. Find out more at paddle.com. The root of the word marketing is market, right? So understanding what people are willing to buy, understanding what people are willing to pay money for, and who are the other kind of suppliers or companies uh, that exist on the market and provide their products or services. So I believe that the, the large part of marketing is figuring out what the market needs, where the market is going, what the market would need, I know, two years from now, and developing that within your product. And if we're talking about SaaS, uh, many of SaaS products, they are not a single feature application. They would have like multiple features, multiple, I don't know, call them jobs to be done. Uh, and you need to understand which of them can be your, I know, unique selling point, can be your strength. Hey everyone, welcome back to the SaaS Revolution show brought to you by SaaStock, the conference that helps SaaS companies get traction, growth and scale. I'm your host, Alex Thuma, and I'll be looking at what it really takes to build and grow a SaaS company today, and how founders and entrepreneurs stay healthy on the journey. Now on with the show. Welcome to the, the SaaS Revolution show. Uh, Tim Solo, who is the CMO at Arefs. Welcome, Tim. Uh, thanks a lot for having me, Alex. Yeah, great to have you on the podcast for the for the first time. Been uh, following, I think, you on, on social for uh, a good few years uh, now. Um, so great to get the opportunity to speak and, and learn a little bit more about uh, you and uh, and what you've been doing at, uh, at Arefs. Where are you uh, dining in from uh, today? Are you in Singapore? Yeah, our headquarters are in Singapore. But uh, I am from Ukraine, lived there for almost 30 years of my life, and we have uh, many people in the leadership, including our founder from Ukraine. So shout out to Ukraine. Uh, hopefully we'll win this battle. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, we're, we hope the same. Obviously, it must be very difficult, you know, challenging times for, for you and your, your colleagues and obviously the country uh, of Ukraine uh, as well as a... Um, as a individual and then you know as the company and as the leadership team maybe you can share a little bit about just like uh, i guess kind of not how you you feel but also uh, what you as individuals and as the company have been doing to kind of help uh, i guess your employees but also your your, your fellow patriots in, in ukraine yeah the the war had uh, a pretty big impact on us given that uh, many employees of hrefs are ukrainian and many of us have families there have friends there uh so yeah we are quite devastated we just have trouble coping with what's happening and like seeing the news every day and uh, yeah it's like it's a challenge it's it's a, it's it has a mental toll on us uh, of course and uh, we've been participating in the uh, 
charitable uh, stuff. So our company was kind of collecting donations with the hands of our customers because we are a Singaporean company. We cannot really donate ourselves uh, because I believe Singapore is uh, make is having a neutral stance on this. So they are kind of not taking sides and they're not openly helping uh, any of the countries. But given that our leadership is from Ukraine, we couldn't just stand aside. So uh, our CEO and founder Dmitry decided that we're going to donate with the uh, with the hands of our customers. And we basically posted a banner on our dashboard telling people that whatever sum they donate uh, will double that in their subscription uh, period. So basically you donate $100, we extend your subscription for $200. And I believe we donated this way over like a million and a half. Now uh, we collected a million and a half uh, US dollars to help uh, all sorts of causes in Ukraine. Uh, plus we blocked all ad access from Russia, so no Russians are allowed to use HRS at this time. Um, yeah, hopefully they will think about uh, their politics and uh, yeah, and what's happening in their country and all that. But yeah, let's not get too much into this because like I, I could probably talk about this all day. No, no, definitely. And I mean, we've had, um, I appreciate you sharing that. and. Uh, we did have a couple of Ukrainian founders uh, on from Promo Republic where we did a, a, a special uh, around that topic um, if anybody does want to dive in deeper to that. But as you say, um, you know, let's hope the war ends and uh, we'll, we'll, we'll move on, uh, you know, in terms of the podcast. But so yourself, we know that you're Ukrainian. What else about you, Tim? Like, who is Tim Solo? You know, tell us a little bit about you as a person. Yeah, quick backstory before tapping into marketing and SEO, I was a DJ, uh, but I kind of didn't see any uh, particular career path in being a DJ unless I was able to write some hit music, which I didn't seem to have uh, any talent in. So uh, I decided to see where I could implement myself. And this was definitely not uh, design because web design, I, I sucked at designing websites. Uh, it was also not programming because I, I don't know, for some reason I considered it too boring. Uh, I kind of changed my opinion ever since. Uh, it seems that programming is actually more fun than uh, it has reputation of. So the, the only kind of area uh, which was left for me at the time was marketing. And this is how uh, I, I got my first entry-level job uh, as a junior SEO professional. And from there, things just escalated to where I am today. Very cool. Well, uh, just out of curiosity, as a DJ, what sort of uh, music or what sort of DJ would you have been? Uh, trance, house, drum and bass? Yeah, so, so my passion is drum and bass music. Uh, but at the time, I had to make money with it. And the commercial music is house. So I was... Uh, a resident DJ in a local nightclub and I was playing house music, but with my friends we were organizing drum and bass kind of small raves in our town. I guess that was also my first entrepreneurial uh, kind of um, experience because uh, I was basically investing money to, to create some kind of uh, rave uh, and I was getting profit out of it, which was quite interesting. Well, you do better. We, we have something in common then. I'm sure many listeners as well uh, have been DJs or are, are DJs. But uh, yeah, my first entrepreneurial uh, venture was, uh, I think, when I was 16. So I was a, a drum and bass DJ and oh, um, nice. I created some night. 
I, I, cre I created some nightclubs uh, uh, back then between when I was 16 and 18 uh, in Croydon where I was growing up. Um, and the first couple kind of made money and then I lost a lot of money on the, like I think on the third one. Uh, but I think on the first one, I was then dreaming of not going to university and this is it and I'm going to be a nightclub promoter and I'm an entrepreneur. And then on the third one, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to university because I don't, I've lost, uh, you know, a good few thousand uh, uh, anyway. So, What's your uh, favorite drum and bass label? Oh, favorite drum and bass label. I don't like back in the day. I'm, I'm not following it too much sort of these days. I mean, then like, you know, Andy C and Ram Records and... Uh, I think also Ronnie Size and Represent and, th and that sort of stuff I was kind of into. For me, it's Hospital Records and London okay. Electricity. Yeah, yeah. I, I love their stuff. Yeah, that's no, good stuff. Good. Um, and <laughs> moving on moving on from uh, the Drum and Bass podcast onto uh, marketing in SaaS. So you've been CMO at Arefs for seven years, right? Um, uh, that, that's pretty great, right? Because uh, like I think the CMO is one of not just in SaaS but in general like I think one of the the toughest seats to kind of sit in and it seems from a from a 10-year perspective and I don't know if these statistics are, are, are quite sort of accurate but generally I, I what I've seen and I think it, like CMOs stay for around about 18 months to maybe kind of two years and then often they're they're, they're leaving or or you, you know asked to leave or, or whatever but seven years is um you know certainly I I haven't seen that too much so what is the the secret to your success, uh, given that this is kind of, you, you know, exponentially longer than the, the average tenure, uh, as far as I'm aware? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it has two parts to it. Uh, the first part is that I don't think I, I can say that I was chief marketing officer for seven years, like technically, because when I joined HREFs, I was kind of the only marketer. Am I a CMO if I'm the, the only marketer in the company? So probably you could say that uh, the first few years were me kind of growing into the troll. So basically, I don't know, marketing manager, marketing director, uh, VP of marketing, and then eventually C I, I, I'm not even sure if, if I can be considered CMO with the, like, who is the CMO of the company? It, it feels like CMO should should have like a team of, I don't know, 200 people under him. Uh, in my case, it's like about just 20, but the company is doing well. It's it's quite, it, it, it's quite large in terms of annual re recurring revenue. So yeah, I'm not really sure how long I have been like a, a CMO specifically. And if I am, uh, if I kind of deserve to have CMO title compared to some other CMOs like in big corporations. So that's, that's the first part of the question. The second part is the average tenure. That's oh, I would love to talk to those CMOs that jump jobs like every few years and ask them why do they do this. Uh, so maybe they're, they are not paid well. Uh, maybe they're not happy at their jobs. Maybe they're trying to kind of collect stock options from different companies and make the bets like which of those companies would eventually go public and make them rich. Or maybe they have learned a certain kind of growth playbook. They come, they implement it and they don't really know what to do next. So none of this is my case. Uh, I'm happy with my compensation. Uh, we don't have stock options at HRFs, but uh, like I said, I'm happy with my compensation anyway. In terms of playbook, I didn't even I didn't implement some some kind of playbook that I knew. 
so I'm constantly figuring things out and with, with each kind of step in the ladder of development of our company, uh, it's, it's a different challenge, it's interesting, it's something new and I'm not really looking forward to go join another early stage company and do everything from scratch for them. I'm kind of enjoying the challenges that I have now at this point rather than going back and re-implementing everything again. So I'm not sure if, if this is a good answer, but that's the answer I have for this question. It's a good answer. And I'm just kind of looking, we've had a few CMOs on the podcast in the past. Uh, one I can sort of specifically uh, sort of remember when asked, I think it was, it was Ryan Benici, who's been like CMO at G2 and whereby, and I think now he's moved out of B2B SaaS in ClassPass. I think for him, I, I may have asked this kind of similar question, uh, but I think for him in terms of like moving around or jumping around after like 18 months or so, it was around, and certainly the answer he gave me was like, you know, I, I've learned kind of everything I could and then I kind of get a little bit like bored and I want to learn more and therefore I look for the new challenge uh, and then go on. So in, in his case, that, that was the, the answer that he gave me. But I'm sure also uh, with many companies that, you, you know, the targets are very aggressive you know, and it's very difficult to kind of, you know, perhaps sort of meet these aggressive targets. And, and, and in many cases, the, the tenure is low because actually the, the CMO is forcibly moved out and another one comes in to hit these aggressive growth targets. But again, these are kind of uh, assumptions and, uh, you know, but maybe educated assumptions. So when, when you were the first marketer at RFs, what was the, the ARR uh, then uh, when you joined as the, the first marketer? What is it? What is it now? Just to kind of give a picture to the uh, the audience. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't remember the precise numbers, but I think when I joined, it was somewhere around ten million ARR, ten million dollars USD per year. Uh, and as of today, we're almost at a hundred million. So uh, in those what six seven years, uh, we've grown ten x. I think it's pretty good actually. Very, it's, it's very good. So. So if you're the first marketer and you joined at 10 million ARR, uh, there was no marketing to get to 10 million ARR. And uh, if, if that was the case, then it was, was it a sales led organization? Like how, how I guess kind of quickly, um, you know, for the audience then, you know, did RFs get to 10 million without marketing? Okay, so if I said the word first, I apologize, that is a mistake. Uh, I wasn't technically first, but I was the only one at the time I joined. So they did have a marketing person before me, uh, who uh, by the time I joined was no longer with the company. I'm not sure like what happened there. But also the, the, marketing, uh, the marketing activities were performed by other people in the company. For example, our CEO himself was doing a bit of marketing. He was connecting with influencers. He was responsible for setting up the affiliate program and like giving access to bloggers. Some of the uh, people from the customer support team uh, were doing some blogging and all that. So, so the, the marketing responsibilities were kind of spread around whoever the company had at, uh, in the team at the moment. But technically, when I joined the company, I was the only dedicated full-time marketer at the, at the time. Yeah. And I kind of absorbed all those responsibilities from all other people to myself and started slowly building out this into an actual kind of marketing department. 
Gotcha. No, th thanks for the clarification there. So, so, so when you join the companies at 10 million ARR, you're the only marketer, you know, at that time at 10 million ARR. In the first 12 months, um, you, you know, as the, the, the first or the, the, the only marketer, but obviously you may have hired, what were, the, what were some of the things that you did in the 12 months uh, in new in the role? Uh, and, you know, and kind of what, what really worked, what kind of stood out as, hey, this really kind of works, you know, as like a home run, uh, uh, etc. So uh, this was my first experience uh, at, at like uh, being in that situation, being the, the only marketer of a company that needs to grow past uh, 10 million in ARR. And they didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what to do. So I was basically all over the place. I was doing a little bit of everything, kind of like they say, throwing spaghetti in the wall and seeing what sticks. Uh, but the things that did work and where uh, we started eventually investing more and more of our effort is, of course, blogging slash content marketing slash SEO. We were getting more and more search traffic. Uh, we were converting that traffic to uh, paying customers. And I think we were kind of the, the, the pioneers, what today is called uh, product-led product content marketing, product-led content, something like this, because uh, I believe we were one of the first few companies who started kind of like, I'm not sure if aggressively is the right word here, but aggressively promoting our product within our content. Uh, before that, I didn't see uh, many other companies doing this. Another thing that worked is that basically shortly after joining Hrefs, I started a YouTube channel and they started posting some videos, some instructional videos, some tutorials, some feature announcements, etc. And from there, it slowly uh, started growing and eventually I found uh, an amazing person uh, to take over our YouTube channel and as of today we have like over 300,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel and this is a big customer acquisition channel for us and also a retention channel, loyalty channel, word of mouth channel, whatever. Uh, another thing which I think was quite impactful in terms of what I did is that I hired an amazing designer slash UI UX uh, person because before that Ahrefs didn't have a, a good enough design, good enough interfaces. So I asked our CEO if I can be responsible for hiring the right person because before working at Ahrefs, uh, I used to work at uh, a company called Template Monster they are still selling website templates. So I had lots of friends among web designers and they kind of developed some kind of taste for what is a good design, what is bad design. So I knew a little bit about typography, uh, some design rules. And uh, I, I kind of saw that uh, the, the design and the interfaces at Ahrefs weren't really perfect at the time. So I asked our CEO if I can be responsible for hiring the right person, which I did. And then this person brought their friend and the friend brought their friend. You know, when you hire an A player, they bring other A, a players with them. So this is how our uh, design team was developing. And I think that that had a tremendous impact on, on the company because we developed a better style, we developed better interfaces, and this played quite a big role, even though it took me just a few weeks to hire the right person and it just uh, went from there. And maybe the final thing that, uh, that I can kind of uh, highlight 
is uh, connecting with influencers and building personal brand uh, early on, being kind of the go-to person about all things HREFs. If you, if you wanted to offer some partnership or if you want to o offer a feature or if you want to submit feedback, you know that Tim is the guy you should talk to. And I was always extremely approachable. I was eager to talk to anyone. I think that helped a lot in building a network of people uh, who were later our friends, partners, brand advocates, etc., etc. So yeah, these were some of some of the uh, most effective directions uh, where I applied myself in the first year. Awesome, awesome. Well, thank, thanks for sharing that. And and now, you know, the business has grown 10x, um, and as you said, you're kind of almost at 100 million ARR, maybe by the time we publish this, which won't be too long, uh, you'll, you'll, you'll be at 100 million. Um, uh, we can see maybe we can sink around that. But uh, um, so from 10 to 100, can you share maybe your top five uh, uh, marketing secrets? So they're not going to be secrets if we're sharing them, but uh, you, you know, the, 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 the top five, you know, Tim Solo marketing secrets that have really kind of helped this 10x growth to 100 million ARR. Uh, if you could share those, uh, I, I'm sure that'll be quite juicy and uh, uh, very interesting for the audience. Yeah, first of all, I want to highlight the word uh, helping which you said. So it, it would be really wrong and misleading to a lot of people to attribute the growth of our company to, to 100 million ARR uh, to marketing. Obviously, it wasn't just marketing. Obviously, the, the, the product is the most important thing. If your product is bad, no marketing would save it. At least that is my opinion. And uh, uh, feel free to go on Twitter and, and debate me on that. But yeah, I'm, I'm completely convinced that if it's not product, uh, the company wouldn't grow to where it is today. But uh, what is marketing anyway? So the root of the word marketing is market, right? So understanding what people are willing to buy, understanding what people are willing to pay money for and who are the other kind of suppliers or companies uh, that exist on the market and provide their products or services. So I believe that the, the large part of marketing is figuring out what the market needs, where the market is going, what the market would need, I know, two years from now, and developing that within your product and finding which, which of the, if we're talking about SaaS, uh, many of SaaS products, they are not kind of like a single feature application. They would have like multiple features, multiple, I don't know, call them jobs to be done. Uh, and you need to understand which of them can be your, I know, unique selling point, can be your strength, can be your differentiating factor. So those things are very important. Understanding them, uh, like uh, investing most of your effort there to differentiate yourself from the competition. And then once you know that your product is uh, many magnitudes better than any of the competitors in this specific thing, this is where marketing comes in because you have to let the world know that you are the best at X. So I think this is a very, uh, very important thing. And I know if we can call it a secret, like you said, uh, it, it's not it's not a secret if you talk about it. Uh, yeah, there are, of course, some, I know, some loopholes, some hacks. But the moment those hacks became known, they are either, those loopholes are either closed 
uh, by I know the platforms that allow them or uh, if this is a hack it, it gets so overused that people no longer fall for it uh, so yeah but talking about some fundamental kind of marketing uh, tactics or strategies yeah product development finding what what separates you from the competition competition and making sure that uh, the industry the market knows about it is the fundamental thing that the marketer should be doing and should be responsible for uh, like i also said what helped us uh, on our road to 100 million is uh, product-led content so uh, what i was observing back in the days is that blogging was popular so many companies had blogs but they didn't quite use those blogs to promote their products. So for example, uh, I was a big fan of the blog of our main competitor at the time, Moz, uh, previously SEO Moz. They used to have the, the biggest and uh, most well-known blog in the industry. I myself submitted uh, a few guest articles to them and I was reading it religiously. But in my opinion, they didn't promote their product enough in their blog articles. They were just letting people write about whatever they want. And I think that it's good if you're building a media company, but if you are building SaaS and you need to make sales of your SaaS, you need to be more product focused. So yeah, product like led content was another thing that I think uh, helped us grow. Another thing is video content, which I also mentioned. Uh, we we made this bet early, before many SaaS companies were investing in video content, uh, growing their YouTube channels. We started investing into high quality video production, not just screencasts or shooting yourself on an iPhone, but with actual quality animations, quality sounds, uh, scripting everything, doing series, blah, blah, blah. Uh, that also helped us tremendously and probably uh, investing in thought leadership, so creating something original, some original research uh, with the data that is only available to us, which could help us be known for something. So Hrefs is well known for backlink data. And back in the day, we published quite a bit of research studies based on our backlink data, which helped us to gain more notoriety for being uh, a trusted source of backlink data. So yeah, uh, thought leadership is very important for, for exposure, for getting the word out, for being known for something. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. Um, yeah, and agree and, and love that you kind of bet early on video. And as you said, not just doing screen sharing um, or you know, publishing a Zoom video, but going high on the, the quality of production. We are now seeing a lot of SaaS companies kind of you, you know, certainly move in that direction. Probably, probably still not, not enough. Uh, but it's good that you guys kind of got in there early and, it, and, it, and it's paid dividends and 300,000 subscribers, as you mentioned earlier, uh, is, uh, is is a pretty awesome reflection uh, of that and building, you know, brand and super fans. So uh, uh, a big congrats to uh, uh, to that decision. What, what about um, maybe something to, to avoid? One big pothole, I'm sure there are many. Uh, and there, there are some that you might have hit uh, or whatever, but, but uh, what, what would you uh, say would, would be the one big pothole to avoid for any CMO, CEOs and CMOs, or, or maybe you can just pick one of uh, listening to the podcast, you know, as they're thinking about scaling their SaaS, let's say from 10 to 100, you know, what's the one big pothole to avoid? This is a great question. And uh, 
it's it's very complicated question actually uh, because of course it would depend like on the company it would depend on the CEO it would depend on CMO so uh, let me approach this from two completely different angles uh, if your CEO doesn't believe in marketing so that's your pothole the CEO who doesn't believe in marketing because when I was joining Ahrefs uh, I vividly remember how uh, my CEO and founder uh, told me that he believes that the quality of product is four out of five, but marketing was one out of five at best. And he wanted me to bring marketing to at least four out of five to match the, the quality of the product. So our CEO understood that marketing is important, not just product, but marketing is as important. On the other hand, you might have uh, founders and uh, CEOs who think that marketing is the silver bullet, that uh, this is what would save their company, this would save their product, and they would keep pumping money and resources into marketing, but the company would not just be getting off the ground. And in that case, you probably should invest into your product more. Because if you're investing in marketing and this doesn't helping, you don't have the marketing problem. You have a product problem. Marketing is more or less straightforward. So it is much, much harder to create the, the kind of product that people would want to pay money for and which would be better than any alternatives on the market than to market it. Because if you have an amazing product, marketing is marketing the product is super easy. But if the product is bad, then no matter how you spend on marketing and no matter how talented your marketers are, they won't be able to market it. So think of Apple. Are they doing well because of the product or because of the marketing? I think the, the, the answer is uh, straightforward and obvious. No, no, definitely. Uh, and I think that's great advice. And I've seen a lot um i think specifically is it like gainsight you know talk about that um you know in in ensuring that you know the ceo uh, or you have a ceo that believes in marketing and the the importance uh, uh, on on that and you would think um uh, it would be table stakes right for a ceo to believe that the company you know needs marketing and um you know the importance of it and to support, you, you know, uh, I guess the, the requisite marketing organization to build the business. But uh, hey, maybe there, there there are you know a whole bunch that are just kind of focused in either being sales led or, or, or product led, um, and not necessarily just thinking about the 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 additional kind of value of of how marketing can accelerate what they what they already have. You know, especially if they have an excellent product, right? Not being too arrogant about hey, we've got a great product and we should just do. PLG and everything's going to fall into place, um, but um, yeah, who knows? But uh, hopefully, most uh, uh, of the audience kind of listening, um, you know, and certainly if you're a CEO, uh, that uh, you're, you're, we're taking this message on board and uh, and seeing the importance of of marketing uh, as well. But I think as to your advice, marketing on its own, if you've got a shitty product, like it's going to be, uh, you have the best marketing team in the world and a shitty product, and it's going to be pretty, you know pretty challenging to, to, to get to the, the heights where you're at uh, at the moment. What about the, the best advice that you've ever received, I guess, in your career, not in your life, but in, in your career, um, that's, that's really helped you? Uh, is, is there anything that you can think back to? 
Uh, there, there are so many answers to this question depending on uh, what is bothering you. So it, it could be as, as simple as uh, get some nice sleep uh, and everything else will fall into place. Uh, but I think for me personally, one thing that I keep reminding myself of, I know if not every day, then every week for sure, is a simple, uh, again, trivial thing done is better than perfect because it is so easy to to overinvest effort in something and keep questioning if it is good enough to show it to people and if you keep questioning if you you are being if you're going to be criticized for releasing it but more often than not you'll get much more value out of releasing it and maybe getting some feedback and polishing it afterwards then over investing to try it and make it perfect and sometimes never even release it at all so yeah done is better than perfect uh, if i had to pick what what i want uh, written as a tattoo uh, i don't know on my arm or on my shoulder i would probably pick this awesome very very good do you have any tattoos or is this the uh, uh no, this <laughs> Okay, maybe the first one. All right, but if you get to a hundred million ARR, maybe you could. Uh, that that could be the uh, the one that you go for to celebrate. <laughs> so. What about if? Uh, so that that is that is uh, definitely great advice. But if you could go back to when you started uh, at Hrefs and uh, what knowing what you know now and what you've learned, what advice would you give to your, yourself? Uh, you know, on the first day, you know, of starting at the business. Well there would definitely be a ton of little things that i could tell myself uh with with every marketing campaign or every marketing stint uh looking backwards you understand that you could have done it better by by doing this or by doing that so there would be of course a ton of small things that would have improved the performance of different marketing stints that that we have done but if we're talking about something more general uh, I would probably create uh, a list of names who I would need to hire and just pass myself the list of names before these people uh, aren't approachable while they're still uh, in the early stages of their career and you, you can still hire them easily. So I'll just pass myself this list and I think this would uh, help us tremendously because yeah, your team is absolutely critical for your company's success and probably with with some of the people i have today uh, i would hire them earlier and again uh, if i had this list i would save myself so much time uh hiring because i spend a lot of time with with candidates interviewing them uh, vetting them uh, searching for them uh, etc so yeah i that would be probably uh, the most that would give me the most leverage uh, out of anything else. Awesome. Uh, uh, very good. And uh, you are, um, I think, taking a, a like 16 hour flight. Uh, I think, I don't know, uh, I think it's roughly 16 hours from Singapore to, to Dublin uh, to come and speak at SAS.2022 this October uh, as, as we return to in person after what will be by then a, a three year absence. Uh, and we're very excited about that. Uh, do you know yet what you'll be speaking about um, uh, at the conference? Yeah, I'll be speaking about the content marketing, uh, about the ROI of content marketing, sharing some of our experience, how it helped uh, our company grow, 
some of the again mistakes to avoid uh, what to look forward to in content marketing in the next five years uh, and all of that I'll try to make it as interesting as possible and as valuable as possible so hopefully people will come to check out my talk Excellent. I oh, know I'm sure they will, and I, I personally will uh, uh, as well. It's always challenging, though. I try, I go in with the intention of, of uh, you know, watching the content because there's so much great content, even if I do say so myself, uh, at SASDOC. And then, you, you know, just constantly I'm being grabbed left and right, um, you know, whilst the content is on. So it becomes very frustrating because I, I get to miss uh, a lot of the talks. But uh, I'll definitely do my best to, to come and watch yours. And uh, I guess this will be the first SAS talk that you, you've spoken at or the first time, uh, first time at SAS talk in Dublin. Um, uh, but uh, what are you, uh, or, uh, you know, particularly looking forward to? Maybe what have you heard about the conference or any speakers, uh, whether it's Dublin itself or the speakers? Uh, yeah, what are you looking forward to? So what I am most looking forward to is uh, simply mingling about the, uh, around the like-minded people, uh, meeting people, connecting with people, talking with people, uh, just, just seeing people's faces and all that, because Singapore was quite stringent about their COVID policies. And for two years, we couldn't really leave the country. And there, the, the SARS uh, kind of, SaaS community in Singapore is very small, so you don't get a chance to uh, to meet a lot of people here. So I'm most looking forward to just go and meet people, talk to them, and of course to to listen to some great talks. Uh, there are some some good presenters, uh, connecting with them, discussing some issues with them. Yeah, just meeting people. That's that's probably uh, the most important thing about conferences. Exactly. No, it, it, it is indeed just you know the ability, and certainly in a, a focus conference, uh, to get to, uh, together with your your peers and uh, and just connect, talk, learn from each other. Um, so yeah, very much looking forward to that uh, and meeting in person in in October at SASOT 2022. And so Tim, final question: where, where can people find you online? You know, if they listen to the podcast, they want to reach out or they want to you know follow you, learn more about you. Um, where can they find you? Uh, I'm most active on Twitter. Uh, T-I-M-S-O-U-L-O, Tim Solo. Uh, find me, follow me, feel free to tweet me any questions. Uh, happy to chat. Well, Tim Solo, uh, CMO, RS, been fantastic uh, having you on the SaaS Revolution Show podcast today. Thanks so much for sharing uh, with the SaaS.com community. Um, you know, it's been a pleasure. Thanks a lot for great questions and hope to see everyone at SaaS Stack in Dublin. Definitely. Uh, looking forward to it. Thanks, Tim. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of the SaaS Revolution Show. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you learned something from it, check out sasdoc.com forward slash events to find all the upcoming SaaSdoc conferences around the world. Want exclusive SaaS content and actionable insights to grow your SaaS? Join our community of over 36,000 SaaS founders at sasdoc.com.